Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The views expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect the views of this station. You should consult a financial advisor or conduct your own due diligence and base all financial decisions on your specific situation. The show is furnished by Edelman Financial Services, a registered investment advisor. Rick Edelman is also a registered representative and principal of Sanders Morris Harris, an affiliated broker-dealer member FINRA SIPC. This is the Rick Edelman Show. Now, here's Rick Edelman. And a very happy weekend to you. Welcome to the program. Rick Edelman here. I'm really, really, really excited. Perhaps the best news coming out of Congress in I don't know how long, and I'm going to tell you about it on the program, a lot of folks are really worried about the anemic rate of savings by Americans. Believe it or not, there is a movement to fix that. And it's really going to work. I'm really excited about it. I'm going to tell you all about it here on the program. Also, really big news in the bond world. Do you own the PIMCO Total Return Fund? Chances are you very well may. It's the largest bond fund in the country, in the world, in fact. You may have known the name of Bill Gross, the bond king, they call him, the manager of the Total Return Fund. You know, I never talk about mutual funds by name on this program. And the reason I'm talking about this one is because it's been in the news that Bill Gross is leaving that fund. He, in fact, left last Friday, went to Janus, another fund company. I'm going to talk with you about that. We're also going to talk about, oh my goodness, it's October. And we know what that means. October is the worst month to invest in stocks, according to Mark Twain, except for all of the other months, he said. So we need to recognize the volatility that I told you a couple of weeks ago might be returning is apparently upon us. What does it mean for your investments? Lots to talk about on the program, plus all your telephone calls at 888-PLAN-RICK. Give us a call right here, right now, 888-752-6742. Or dial us up online at rickedelman.com. All you got to do is press that red button. I want to talk to an advisor and we'll get you the answers to your questions you have about your personal finances. Let me, let me start off with Bill Gross. Bill Gross manages the world's largest bond fund. The fund has, uh, all told, they've got $2 trillion in assets. Tens of millions of investors, not only ordinary individual investors, but lots of pension funds invest in this fund. And uh, Bill Gross has been managing the fund since 1987 and for a long time posted a very strong track record. He's had some recent stumbles. And last Friday, he abruptly, without any notice, quit and said he was going to a competing fund organization, Janus. The fund he's been managing with $2 trillion in assets, well, okay, but the new fund he's moving to has $12 Just $12 million in assets, a tiny little speck of a fund. 
what did investors do? What was the immediate reaction? Within two days of his announcement, they yanked out more than $500 million in assets from the fund. I was quickly called by the Wall Street Journal. I appeared on CNBC talking about the implications of this for investors, so I want to share it with you. You see, Bill Gross represents, in my opinion, one of the last of a dying breed. He's in the so-called world of what we refer to as active managers. In other words, you give your money to a mutual fund, which is run by a manager, a guy like Bill Gross, and his job is to take your money and invest it in the kinds of bonds he thinks are going to do better than other kinds of bonds. And you're paying him a fee, a pretty big one, his income personally is $200 million a year. You're aware that's that, you know, not, not a bad gig if you can get it. And you're giving him your money because you believe he's going to be able to make more money for you than you'd be able to make on your own or be able to make elsewhere. Bill Gross has left. So what should you do if you own the fund? That was the question put to me on CNBC, and my answer is real simple. If you're investing in the man and the man leaves, you got to follow the man. So if Bill Gross is gone and he's moved over to Janice, you got to take your money out of, the fu- out of PIMCO and move it over to Janice with Bill Gross. And if that sounds crazy, if that sounds extreme, if that sounds speculative or risky or expensive, and yes, it could well be. Why? Because the new fund at Janice may be costing more than the old fund at PIMCO. And for you to move your money, you've got to sell your shares at PIMCO, potentially creating a tax liability for yourself. So it's not nearly so easy and cut and dry to just follow the man. But you've got to ask yourself, who's the new man at PIMCO? Who's taking over for Bill Gross and running the new fund? Well, that means you've got to do some analysis and evaluation. Who's the new manager? What's that new manager's track record? What's the experience level? What's his current investment philosophy? How is he going to manage the fund in Bill Gross's absence? What changes are he going to make? Might the fund incur a massive amount of turnover, resulting in, guess what, taxes and higher expenses for you? You have to evaluate all of this. In other words, you're caught between a rock and a hard place. It's the uh, frying pan and fire. You're left in a no-good, I think, no-win situation. You either sell the fund, incurring taxes and expenses to move and follow the man, or you keep the fund, with leaving yourself with an unknown manager that you didn't bet on when you made your investment in the fund. In other words, my real question, as I posted on CNBC, why are you putting yourself in that position in the first place? Why are you risking your future financial security on the man, on one guy? who doesn't know who you are, doesn't know anything about you, is completely unfamiliar with your investment objectives, your risk tolerance, why would you put yourself in that position? So that if one day the man wakes up in a bad mood and decides to sell, has a gut instinct based on some dream he had at 3 a.m. because he ate too much fried chicken the day before, Why would you want to have your money subject to the whims of one guy? And Bill Gross has been known to make big bets, some of which have proved to be pretty bad bets as well. Over the past year, his fund has trailed 63% of his peers. He's in the bottom 40 percentile. 
Maybe that's one reason PIMCO wanted him to leave. The rumor, according to the Wall Street Journal, is that if he didn't leave, all the other executives at PIMCO were going to quit. That, according to the Wall Street Journal. Why would you want to invest your money in that kind of a scenario? As opposed to placing your money into a broad-based, diversified bond fund that is passively managed, not subject to the whims and vicissitudes of a single individual. Operating at far lower cost, far lower turnover, meaning lower annual taxes, without having to worry about what happens to one guy who either is in a bad mood one day, dies one day, or simply wakes up and says, without any prior notice, I quit. Why would you want to do that? And that's why we don't. The big question I got from the Wall Street Journal is, what are your clients saying what are you telling your clients? And I said, my clients aren't saying anything. My clients aren't asking. I'm not telling my clients anything. Why? Because we don't own the fund. We don't have any money invested in the PIMCO total return fund. Never have. Because I don't understand why I would want to invest my clients' money in the man. I don't, I, it's never made any sense to us. That's not how we manage assets for our clients. It's not how I recommend it for you. So if you own shares in the PIMCO Total Return Fund and you are confused as to what you should be doing about that, should you follow Bill Gross to Janus? Should you move your money to some different fund? Should you keep your shares at PIMCO? If you don't know what to do, if you're confused about it, call us, 888-PLAN-RIC. Call me right here now during the program or anytime during the week. We'll help you evaluate your investment position. We do a free portfolio review, as you probably know. We've been doing this for 26 years. We'll always do it. We'll evaluate not just your investment in that particular fund, but we'll examine your investment in all of your investments, your entire portfolio, to help you determine if you're taking too much risk, paying too much in fees, or earning returns that are too low. To make sure that your portfolio... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Folio is designed in your best interest. If you're confused, if you're not getting the advice you need from whoever it was who sold you that fund, give us a call. 888-PLAN-RICK or visit us online at rickedelman.com. And when I come back, boy, have I got some exciting news for you. One of the most exciting pieces of legislation working its way through Congress right now, as well as a bunch of state legislatures, that is going to have huge implications for solving America's retirement savings crisis. I haven't been as excited about this, and I don't know when. Stay tuned to hear about it. As we start the new month, some astonishing October statistics on the show today that will debunk some myths that may have haunted you about investing. And also coming up today, a couple of surprise guests, including someone I've known my entire life. Also, the latest privacy breach, this one at J.P. Morgan. Implications for you and for me. I'll ask you what you plan on doing about it. Stay tuned for more on The Rick Edelman Show. 888-PLAN-RICK. RickEdelman.com.
more with the author of the 2008 Personal Finance Book of the Year, The Lies About Money, coming up on The Rick Edelman Show. Back to the program. Rick Edelman here. Boy, am I excited. I haven't seen a piece of legislation this fabulous since they changed the 401k rules to opt out instead of opt in. You know, the success in personal finance is so often based on behavioral finance. That's why I'm a big student of behavioral finance and the study of neuroeconomics. We are emotional creatures, us human beings, and we don't act intellectually. We act emotionally. Oh, we try to pretend that we're smart, brilliant people, but at the end of the day, it's fear and greed that can motivate us, right? It's lust, and it's avarice, and it's all those seven deadly sins that we tend to dictate our behaviors and actions. And there's been a lot of research over the years that have been demonstrating if we just change how we set up rules, we can nudge people into proper behaviors. A lot of research has been done on this. Tversky, Richard Thaler, Terrence O'Dean, Harry Markowitz, many, many others have been leading the field in this. It's resulted in Nobel Prize winning economic award. Richard Thaler even wrote a book called Nudge. Let me give you an illustration. As I mentioned, Department of Labor changed in the past few years the notion of 401k participation from an opt-in to an opt-out. That simple change has dramatically increased participation rates among workers all across the country saving for retirement. What do I mean between the difference between opt-in and opt-out? Think about when you got your job at your company where you work. They threw a whole bunch of paperwork at you on your first day at work, right? Your uh, withholding and your... Uh, benefits package and all this kind of stuff. And then they said, do you want to join the 401k? And you had to opt in. You had to voluntarily say, yes, I want to have you cut my pay to have some of it go into the plan. And a whole lot of people refused to opt in because they saw it as a pay cut. They didn't want to take or didn't bother to take the proactive step of choosing to join the plan. And that's why participation rates in 401ks has never been as good as it needs to be. They changed the rule a few years ago. And they now don't have an opt-in. Now it's opt-out. In other words, when you join your employer, you are automatically in the plan unless you choose not to. And inertia takes over. The employer says, hey, we're going to put you in the plan. Your 3% of your pay is going to go into this contribution. And it's just automatic. It's just the way it is. And as a result, because people are automatically enrolled unless they voluntarily take the step to not, they're automatically in the plan. And just that one little feature has dramatically improved participation rates in 401ks, helping people to save for retirement more so than ever before. It's fabulous. And here is the most recent example of this. Senate Bill 1597 just went through the House. It's the American Savings Promotion Act. Why is it that so many poor people don't save? Why is it they don't open bank accounts? I know what you're you're saying. It's because they're poor. Well, if that's true, if they aren't putting money into a bank account because they're poor, how do you explain the fact that they're buying lottery tickets? If they're so poor that they can't save, where are they getting the money to buy lottery tickets? The reason is very simple. They prefer to buy lottery tickets 
over bank accounts because the lottery ticket gives them the chance to win $10,000, a million dollars, or whatever. And they figure because they're poor, it's their only way out of poverty. The only way they're going to get the money they know they need for the future is to win the lottery because they don't have enough money to save. Along comes the American Savings Promotion Act. This is going to allow, if it passes through both houses of Congress, which I am hoping it will, and I think it will, and if the president signs it, which I'm hoping he will, and I think he will, this will allow banks, for the first time in this country, to offer savings promotion raffles. Don't call them lotteries, because lotteries are illegal except by the government but a savings promotion raffle. If you put $25 into a savings account, you will get a raffle ticket. And you might win $10,000 at the end of the month. Does this sound crazy? Do you know credit unions are already allowed to do this? In Michigan, for example, credit unions there have been using savings promotion raffles. Every $25 saved increases the chance you could win up to $10,000. And so far... More than 50,000 people have saved more than $94 million through this game. Instead of buying lottery tickets, they're saving for their future because of behavioral finance. It's called, in behavioral finance circles, gamification. Recognizing that if I want somebody to do something, let's turn it into a game. Because if we can turn it into a game, we make it far more effective. In every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. You find the fun and snap, the job's a game. And every task you undertake becomes a piece of cake, a lark, a spree. It's very clear to see. This is not a unique idea. We didn't invent this. It's the law in South Africa, where they offered the million-a-month account. They promised savers the chance to win 113 prizes a month. They discovered that new customers saved an extra 1% of their incomes and boosted overall savings 38%. That was in South Africa. It's also being used in the United Kingdom, New Zealand, and Sweden. This idea works. And I know if you're saying to yourself, oh, that's ridiculous. Why do we have to pay people to save? My attitude is, let's do whatever it takes. We have a savings crisis in this country, and if I've got to give you a raffle ticket to get you to open a bank account, I'm going to do it. And if you really think it sounds that weird, you forget, my friend, the days of old when when you opened a Christmas club account, you got a free toaster. Don't you remember those days? You used to get a set of dishware. You used to get S&H green stamps, right? This is just the new version of it. It's fabulous. It's wonderful. I never talk about politics and, and political uh, incentives and such, but I'm going to go on the record here. I strongly endorse this bill and heartily encourage all members of the House and Senate to vote for it. I will keep you posted. I'm Rick Edelman. This is The Rick Edelman Show. When we come back... Where do you find out the latest about privacy breaches? Stay with us. For 
free articles on personal finance. Sign up for Rick's email update at rickedelman.com. Hi, Rick Edelman here. Welcome back to the program. As we've been talking about, retirement savings is as important a thing as there is, and it's so exciting that so many more people are participating in their 401ks than ever. But do you really know how to do that? Do you know how much money you really should be putting? Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Putting into your 401k, do you know what the investments are that you should be choosing for your 401k? Do you know how to withdraw the money in retirement? Do you know whether you should choose between the deductible and the Roth? Do you know how to handle your beneficiary designations? All that information and more is in our seminar on the truth about retirement plans and IRAs. We're presenting it this Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 and 7 p.m. in Tarrytown, Needham, Greenbelt, Chantilly, Troy, and Woodland Hills. Then October 21st and 22nd in Bethesda, Manhattan, Unendale, Staten Island, Boca Raton, Northbrook, and Costa Mesa. Get full details, $15 a person, $25 a couple at rickedelman.com. That's ricedelman.com. I hope you'll take advantage of the info. Rick Edelman here. You're listening to The Truth About Money. You know, we talk often on the program here about personal privacy, cybersecurity, and the incredible changes that we are undergoing as a society the technological elements of how do you maintain personal privacy. And we always get freaked out about the security breaches at Target and uh, other companies where major breaches occur. But quite frankly, uh, we need to be paying attention to the old tech way because personal privacy has been compounded by the fact that crooks are not merely hacking your passwords in order to gain access to your personal confidential information. They're doing it the old-fashioned way in many cases by simply stealing your purse. And we have one individual who recently uh, had an unfortunate experience with having that happen to her. So I thought you might want to hear her story. So I'm happy to bring onto the program for you my mom, Thelma Edelman. Hi, Mom. Hi, Rick. So you had your purse stolen about a week ago. Where were you? I was at Walmart, and I left the store with my purse in the cart. I emptied the shopping cart into my car, and I assumed I put my purse into the car first. It was gone. I didn't know that until I got home. You obviously had your car keys in your hand. I did. You didn't realize that the purse itself was gone. You got home, and then panic had to hit. Exactly. I immediately called the store, uh, so they went out. They told me that they couldn't see anything. There was nothing. Where did they eventually find your purse? 
my daughter-in-law and I uh, went back to the store and uh, went to customer service and were talking to one of the gals there. And another woman behind the counter said, oh, I have a purse here. Is this your purse? Somebody had found it in the men's room. Let's talk about what was taken from your purse. They took your wallet, obviously, which held your driver's license. It held everything. Your credit cards. Yes. Your health insurance cards. Yes. You had your cell phone in the car, in the purse, so they took your cell phone. Did they have your house keys as well? Yep. Your social security card as well was in your purse. Which I have to ask, why are you walking around with your Social you know Security card? Rick, I don't have my Social Security card now, so I'm assuming it was in there. So, I was stupid. <laughs> I really, really was unthinking. I carry them with me. It just never occurred to me that this you, would happen. You also had the key to your safe deposit box in on the purse. On that key ring. Why on earth are you walking around with your safe deposit box key with you? I have no answer to that question. But you've been doing it for how many decades? That's true. I mean, it's been that way forever. So, so this was bound to happen, Mom. When you're you walking, you think, yeah, I do think. <laughs> so what it really comes down to, Mom, is that you had way too much stuff in the purse. Oh, in fact, way, way, way too much. And, and in fact, I, it always, I always wonder because I'm a guy. I don't have a purse, but I see women walking around with suitcases everywhere oh, they go. And I'm yep. wondering what on earth is in this thing. Now you haven't fully disclosed everything that's in the purse. In addition to your driver's license, credit cards, health insurance cards, address books, cell phone, car keys, house keys, social security card, and the key to your safe deposit box, in addition to all of that, you also had in your purse a protein bar six years past its expiration date. No. 26 chapsticks because you, can't, you couldn't find the first 25, so you kept buying new ones. A, blockbust, a blockbuster DVD that you kept meaning to return. An, no, an no, empty no. book of stamps, a sheriff's badge, Halloween oh, M&M's. I from... had some, you bet I had some stamps. I also had all the names, addresses, cell phones of everybody I love. <laughs> Halloween M&M's from last year, a catcher's mitt, a socket wrench, a packet of mustard, <laughs> a fire extinguisher, map of St. Saint... Petersburg, handcuffs, <laughs> a tear gas canister, and a pair of dice, but you do live outside I of Las Vegas. What's in your wallet? Okay, but I'm telling you know all I'm telling you is. Supposing that man has shot you, is it worth risking your life over ten dollars, two credit cards, a hairbrush, and a lipstick? How did you know that? For what? You just described the exact contents of my purse. Wild guess. All right, so let's talk a little seriously, Mom, about what. It's what very, very. I, I, I know that's why we're talking about this. So once we get past the shock of right. discovering what's wrong and, and then the realization when you finally got to your purse and see that it's empty and you come to grips with everything that was in it and is now gone. Right. And I'm still finding things that I forgot I had in there. Yeah. Like what? I had a phone book that went back to my Cherry Hill, New Jersey days. Oh my. That's 20 years ago. And so those names, those names and numbers are gone. A lot of them. Uh, so, yep. so there's there's a huge emotional toll that occurs, obviously, with this inva- severe invasion, yes. severe invasion of privacy. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the logistics element of this. First, your driver's license is gone, which means you need to go get a new one. 
So you also had to contact all of the credit card companies. Well, we were very fortunate. Uh, I took out a policy, which I paid for each month. They took out uh, out of my, you know, my account. And uh, it covered, all I had to do was call them. I registered my cards with them. And uh, they took care of that end of it. That was that fortuitous. Was... So that's, that's the key. That's one of the key lessons for folks. When's the last time you made sure that your uh, credit card companies or your um, personal privacy protection service, an outfit like LifeLock, have you updated them to let them know all of your current accounts? So that's a really good step. How about your health insurance cards? Uh, I happen to have a duplicate. So a really good step, and we recommend this for folks all the time, is to do exactly what you did, which is to ask for and obtain duplicates. Yes. So that if you lose one set, you have another. We tell people to do this all the time when they travel overseas. If you have a passport, make a photocopy of it, uh-huh. leave it at home, uh, right. and also take a photocopy with you so that you have a second copy of your passport with you so that if you end up having to go to an embassy because yours was stolen, it'll be a whole lot easier if you have uh, a copy of it with you. And what about Absolutely. what about your uh, house keys? My house keys and my car keys were on that other key ring. So at <laughs> 2 o'clock in the morning, the locksmith came to change my uh, locks at a considerable expense I'm paying all this stuff at. You live in a gated community, so you had to notify the security folks. I notified them immediately. Uh, also, your bank. Uh, no. I had no checks in there. I never carried checks with me. But the crooks now have your date of birth, your address, your full legal name, your social security number. It would be relatively easy for them to obtain access to other financial data. So you do need to contact the bank and get new bank account we numbers. We did that. We okay. did that. Oh, that's another thing. I usually keep a $100 bill hidden in a little zippered part. I didn't do that because I hadn't gone to the bank. He got about $21. So now everybody else in the world knows that you normally walk around with a $100 bill hidden secretly somewhere in your purse. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Okay. You can bleep that. All right. And how about about your Social Security card? You don't really need a Social Security card. I know that. That's true. And I shouldn't carry it with me anyway. I, I did go there, though. Uh, okay, so uh, this was a very uh, negative experience, obviously, and we're all very upset for oh, you. Oh, heartbreaking! It, it really is. It's, you feel so violated. And, so, what's know. the so? What lessons have you learned about what to keep as contents of your purse at this point? That, and I'm telling my grandchildren and and my friends, everybody I know, you do not need five credit cards. You need one credit card to carry with you, not five or six like I have. And keys. Yeah, I would not have them in the purse. I just did it in case I locked myself out of the car, which is stupid. So you should have with you car key, house key, and that's about it. You should that's not be about it. you should not be walking around with your passport or social security card or safe deposit box key. Absolutely not. Uh, um, so you should have your driver's license, a credit card, your health insurance info, and there's one other thing you should have you haven't mentioned. You, you should also have a piece of paper that lists emergency contact info. So it should have the name of your uh, neighbor, a son or daughter, a uh, spouse, someone with, a, with their cell phone number, so that if you are injured and unable to communicate, someone can, a good Samaritan or a police officer or, or EMT, can rifle through your purse, find out who to call on your behalf. If you can't, specifically in case of emergency, call this person.
Mm-hmm. How many days passed from the time your purse was stolen to the time I found out about it? Well, you were away, I thought. Yeah. I so, thought you were away. Cell phones so, work. Uh, you know, you uh, never call me. Oh, come on. <laughs> Isn't that the opposite of what? You know, I, I don't like to call with Ben, but, but I, I absolutely, you were on my list. I was so distraught. Really, oh. I was. Uh, at somebody to do that, you feel absolutely violated mm-hmm. by well, I'm glad you're okay. I'm glad you got it all taken care of. You've yeah, also pretty much. Oh, by the way, we did sign up for LifeLock. You so you did sign up with a um, online security protection service. Yeah. Good, and uh, you'll get past this pretty fast, and you'll I'm sure be very busy rebuilding your address book. It is a rebuilding. It is. It is. Okay. It's- and I open her too. Uh, Mom, you've helped a lot of people, and glad you're safe and sound. And thanks Thank for you, sh- thanks for sharing the story. That's okay. that's my mom, Thel Edelman. And what I didn't mention about my mom, uh, and the fact that she is as feisty as she is, and dealing with this as aggressively as she is, she's 87 years old. I'm Rick Edelman on the Truth About Money. Stay with us. Need a second opinion on your investments? Get a free portfolio review at rickedelman.com. Welcome back to the program. Rick Edelman here. You're listening to The Truth About Money. Joining me in the studio, David Bach. Hi, David. Rick, it's great to be here. Thank you. David Bach is the vice chairman of Edelman Financial Services, as you may know. David is a powerhouse in his own right in the field of personal finance. Eleven national bestsellers compared to, <clears throat> I only have eight. Uh, and... Uh, One of the reasons I wanted David to come into the studio with me today is because we just got some rather startling statistics from Social Security. And, David, I wanted to get your views on this because I think people will be really interested. According to the Social Security Administration, the average woman in America who's retired receives about $1,000 a month from Social Security. The average man gets about $1,300 a month. What do you think about that? Well, I think this is the number one reason why women need to take charge of their financial future sooner, sooner than later. Because here's the issue for women. What affects women financially is this. On average, when you look at these statistics, women are taking nearly, there's 10 years off for both child care and now elder care, whereas men are taking off about two years from the workforce. So what's happening is today women are, are basically getting less money in retirement accounts and less money in Social Security. Because they're not working as long as men. They're not earning as much as men. And so they get lower incomes. Now, here's what's scary when you look at Social Security statistics. $1,000 a month is not a lot of money. We know that. That's why we, want our, that's why we want people out there saving more money. But what most people don't realize is that when you look at women over the age of 65, of women in this country would reportedly be broke without Social Security. So the real lesson here for anyone who is listening, especially ladies for you, you need more than Social Security to have a decent retirement. And that is what I find so shocking is that so many people are so dependent on Social Security. I don't think anybody really plans on living on a thousand bucks a month or really 
looks forward to that being their financial future. And yet we find that there's not a lot of conversation about this, either in the context of what you're really expecting to get from Social Security or the incredible difference between men and women because women are earning less in the workforce and not spending as many years in the workforce. And those are the bases on which your Social Security check is calculated. And that's always been that those two statistics and, and this whole framework, David, has always been a huge element of your seminar, Smart Women Finish Rich, which you started presenting nearly 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah, all, all the way back in the early 90s. And, and the message back then is the same message today, which is whether you are married, widowed, single, divorced. I don't care what your situation is as a woman. The time to take control of your financial future is today. Many women, unfortunately, wait until something happens, whether that is a divorce, whether that is their husband suddenly passing away. You do not want to be reactive. And so what I did with Smart Women Finish Rich was create a program, really fun, super simple, entertaining, that you could come to for less than two hours and take a clear look at what matters most to you financially in your life, look at your values, your dreams, and build a financial plan around that. There aren't very many financial advisors or, or financial authors that I agree with. That's why I've written all the books I've written, because <laughs> I remember back when I started doing this radio show back in the uh, early 90s, people used to say, Rick, what book can I read out there? And my answer was, I don't like any of them. I've read them all, and I really don't like any of them. And that's what got me into writing my own books to provide the kind of advice and in uh, the kind of presentation that makes it interesting, fun to read, and really uh, helpful and informative. And David, yours are really the only books that I have found where there isn't any disagreement between the two of us, which either means the two of us are absolutely <laughs> crazy and out of our minds because we're not in agreement with too much of what else is being thrown onto the uh, consumer public, but it, it's just really, really refreshing. And You've been presenting your seminar, Smart Women Finish Rich. Over three-quarters of a million people have gone through that seminar over the years. And I've asked David to revise the seminar and bring it up to date, which you've now finished doing. And so we're presenting the seminar uh, over the next couple of uh, months, and I want to encourage you to attend. Uh, this Tuesday and Wednesday, we're going to be presenting the Smart Women Finish Rich seminar in Chicagoland. It's going to be in Oak Brook, as well as Salt Lake City, Rocky Hill, Connecticut, outside of Hartford, and at Plymouth Meeting uh, in the Philadelphia area. Then on October 21st and 22nd, we'll be doing it in Columbus, Ohio, Tempe, Arizona, Needham, uh, outside of Boston, and in Concord, California. It's $15 a person. Uh, you can register online at rickedelman.com or by calling our phone number at 888-PLAN-RICK, just like you do here on the program. And uh, it's really a, a very exciting, uh, not fast 90 minutes. What would you say, David, are the primary subjects that you're covering in the seminar? Well, first of all, also, I, I think, Rick, there's probably people who are listening who may have been to this seminar, let's say, 10 years ago. And what we've been asked for is an update. So it's really important to say this is what you need to know about your money right now in 2014. And what we've done in the seminar, there are nine steps. And I think what makes this seminar so powerful and it's, it's, un, it's different than most investment seminars is it's not just about the money. We look at your value. We show you how to look at your values. What's most important to you? Your dreams. And then we break financial planning into three baskets, retirement, security, and your dreams. So when you leave here after 90 minutes, you're going to know exactly what you need to do with everything, your retirement accounts, what you need to do to protect your family, what type of insurance do you need, from life insurance to disability insurance to umbrella insurance. Every single step to protect your family, you're going to come away with the knowledge to take action. And the last thing we cover in the seminar, which is 
people ask for this is how to teach your kids about money. Because what happens is people go, oh, Rick, David, I wish I'd learned about this earlier. Where were you when I was younger? But you know what? If you've got kids in your life, this is the time to teach them. So we give you the tools to go home and share this message with your family and the kids in your life that you love. So as I said, the seminar is going to be in Oak Brook, Salt Lake City, Rocky Hill, and Plymouth meeting this week, then the week of October 21st and 22nd, Columbus, Tempe, Needham, and Concord, 1 and 7 p.m. each day. Runs about 90 minutes, and you can register online at rickedelman.com. That's ricedelman.com. Everybody who attends gets a free copy of David's best-selling book, Smart Women, Finish Rich. So thanks, David, for joining us in the program today. I'm Rick Edelman. Stay tuned for more when we come back, your telephone calls, and what do you hear what I have to tell you next? Stay with us. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Providing personal finance advice for 25 years, this is The Rick Edelman Show. This is the Rick Edelman Show. Now, here's Rick Edelman. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for hanging around this half hour. Rick Edelman here. Happy to tell you that EdelmanFinancial.com, our website, has won a Web Marketing Association's Web Award for Outstanding Website. If you haven't checked out our website at RickEdelman.com, check it out. The award is based on design, ease of use, writing, Interactivity, use of technology, innovation, and content. If you haven't checked out our website, go visit rickedelman.com. That's uh, ricedelman.com for lots of personal finance information, and it's a lot of fun. We're off to Macomb, Michigan. Paul's on the line. Welcome to the program, Paul. How are you? I'm fine, Rick. How are you doing? Doing great. How can I help? Uh, okay. I had a question. I'm uh, retired now less than a month. Uh, I'll be 68 uh, in about another month, and I haven't uh, decided whether it makes more sense to uh, can wait for my Social Security until I'm 70, since they're guaranteeing me uh, at least 8% return if I do that, or should I start taking money out of my uh, retirement money? Do you do you need, need the, the income? Security. Do you need the income right now, Paul? Not from Social Security. Then delay it. It's really that simple. You're absolutely right. The way Social Security works, full retirement age these days is about age 66. So if you retire at your full retirement age, you'll get 100% of the benefit you're supposed to get. You're allowed to take the benefit even earlier than that, as early as 62. And if you do that, your benefit will be 25% less. So the good news is you get it sooner. The bad news is you get less of it. And that raises uh, now on the flip side if you delay if you don't take it at 66 when you're allowed you wait 
every year you wait means when you finally do start, you get even more. That caps out at age 70. So our attitude is you should take Social Security as soon as you're eligible, even if you don't need it. But on the other hand, you can argue, as you are, that if you don't need it, let's delay it because every year you wait, the amount of the increase is probably better than an investment return you might get. What I will add is this. It, you might want to do some math or have a financial advisor do math for you. We do this for our clients pretty often. On this attitude, let's say that you don't need the money, as you've said, but you take it anyway. And you, by taking it, you immediately invest it and you leave it invested. The question becomes, can the amount of money you're saving in the investment with your annual Social Security checks piling up and growing in value, will they grow enough in value to compensate for the fact that ultimately you're getting less per month from Social Security. It's a straight arithmetic question. If you don't know how to do that arithmetic, that's why you ask a financial advisor to do it. And depending on your circumstances, meaning how much sooner you're going to take it than you otherwise would, how much you are receiving from Social Security or alternatively would, how long you'll be able to leave it invested, what the return on the investment's going to be, and what you're projecting to be your life expectancy. I mean, if there's a lot of cancer in your family and short life expectancies with heart disease and whatever, that's one thing. If, on the other hand, you're like my family, where my grandmother lived to 101 and my aunt is 94 and my uncle is 92 and my mother is 87 and on and on and on, then that's another thing. So with all of those factors taken into consideration, we can, through arithmetic, say whether you should take the money now and invest it since you don't need it or don't take the benefits, delay them to age 70 so that the benefits will be higher when you get there. Generally speaking, I would say probably more than half the time we'll tell the client to take the money sooner rather than later simply because we don't know how long you're going to live. What if you delay the benefit to 70 but get hit by a bus at 69? So there, uh, I'm framing the question for you without, without answering it. How'd you like that? Uh, okay. Well, uh, I, all the scenarios I've uh, run through in my mind. So uh, yeah, we, we have longevity in our family. Uh, that's why I thought, and I thought, especially on my wife's side. So I thought, uh, the longer I wait, the uh, higher her benefit will be uh, if I'm no longer here. So I, uh, I understand uh, both sides well, of the story. Well, let me, uh, let me let me put it to you this way: the difference between taking the money at 66 versus 70, the break-even is going to be in your mid-80s. That's the break-even. In other words, if you take the money at 66 and you live longer than 85, you would have been better off not taking the money. So the question is, are you going to live longer than age 85? And we don't know, and therefore I generally say, go ahead and take the money now. But here's the other thing. You said, you said it kind of quickly and subtly, and I kind of skipped it. I want to go back to it. You said, should you take the Social Security now or should you withdraw from your 401K? Is that really what you'll do if you don't take Social Security? You'll make withdrawals from your 401k? Well, I no longer, I, I actually, uh, I, I closed out my 401k, so it's now, it's now with a financial planner. But it's in an IRA. It's an IRA. It's yeah, but, but the point, will you withdraw it from the IRA? Will you withdraw money to generate income that you need in retirement from your IRA? Yeah. If, well, yeah. see, if you're going to do that, if you're going to do that, then I would say take Social Security. You need the money. 
In other words, if you're going to withdraw from the 401k, which is or the IRA now, that's going to create a tax liability. It's going to re- create a reduction in the value of the account. I would rather you didn't do that. Take the Social Security. The only reason you don't take the Social Security, I posed the question to you, do you need the money? You said no. The answer is yes. You do need the money because if you don't get it from your IRA, you're going to take it from Social Security. If you don't take it from Social Security, you do need to take it from the IRA. So you do need the money, therefore take Social Security. We don't need to do any math. Okay, very good. Very good. Okay. Glad I was able to help. Paul, thanks so Thank much. You. Thank you so much for calling. I really appreciate it. I'm Rick Edelman. You're listening to The Truth About Money. Let's continue with our telephone calls. We've got Stephen. He's in New Windsor, New York. Welcome to the program, Steve. How are you? I'm fine, thank you, Rick. How are you? Doing wonderful. What can I do for you? Good. Uh, I've been listening for a while, and and I've been having this question, and I'm glad I was able to get on. Uh, I retired uh, in the end of June 2012. Uh, I had a 403B, which I just let sit there for a while because I had some health issues to deal with. About then in February of 2013, I, I finally contacted an asset manager who took the 403B money and put it into an IRA variable annuity. I, Based on the fact that I have a pension and I started collecting Social Security at 62 in January of 2013, I didn't really need any of that money from the 403B. I didn't think I would need it until I was 70 and a half and I'd have to start taking the uh, required uh, minimum distribution. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everything has been going along well. I have enough money from my pension and from Social Security. But when I see my statements from the asset manager, I never see any expenses listed. <laughs> I have no idea what the expenses are for having this variable annuity. Yeah, Yeah. amazing, isn't it? Um, Yeah, and and so I have no idea. I've asked the advisor a few times, and he says he'll get it to me, but I haven't really pursued it because, (laughs) as I said, I have some health issues that have taken precedence over that kind of, you know, detail. You know, if it well, reminds me of the waiter who tells uh, me that uh, I'll get, I'll eventually he'll get, he'll get the ketchup I asked for. I'll get it to you. I'll sit down and shut yeah, up like I'm busy. That effect. So my, my question is, I guess, you know, what options do I have? Uh, if I try to withdraw the money to find another asset manager, there seems to be a surrender charge, yeah. and I, I, yeah. I would lose a lot of the money. I signed yeah. a lot of papers when I was uh, talking to the asset manager. And All right, I do really me a favor. Didn't... Do me a favor, Steve. Stop calling sure. him an asset manager. He's, okay. an, he's an insurance salesman. <laughs> okay, can we let, let's Seems call it, let's call him what he is. Um, what he did was how much money was in this account that you moved over to the annuity? About five hundred and thirty-seven thousand. $537,000 into an annuity product. Here's the thing that, that's a little driving me crazy. Half of it you've already stated. You have no idea what the fees and expenses are associated with this product. Shame on that guy for doing it that way. The, um, the first issue is that you had the money in a tax-deferred account, and you rolled it over to an annuity, which is a tax-deferred investment. In other words, you put a tax-deferred investment inside a tax-deferred account. You didn't get any benefit for that. All that happened is that you created an investment that's very expensive. The typical expenses of annuity products are over 3% per year. They generate very high commissions for the guys who sell them. And as you've noticed, when you get your statement, that doesn't show the expenses. Uh, It's very annoying and very difficult. So what we would want to do is take a look at the specific annuity contract you have. 
to see if we can do anything about it, such as transferring it to another annuity that is far less expensive than the one you have, getting rid of the annuity entirely but keeping it within an IRA to avoid tax liability, or if those two options are too expensive from a fee perspective or surrender charge perspective, then let's see if we can't make the best out of it by making sure that the investment choices you're using in the four, uh, in the variable annuity are uh, ideal because I don't know that I trust this guy since he gave you that advice in the first place to, as an asset manager, effectively choose the investment choices for your account. So I would encourage you to uh, send us a copy of your statement and so we can evaluate it for you. We'd be happy to do it. We do it at no cost for you to see if we can make some lemonade out of these lemons. So just contact us at the same phone number like you did right here at 888-PLAN-RICK or 888-752-6742. My colleagues and I are happy to help you with it. I'm Rick Edelman. This is The Rick Edelman Show. Stay with us. More with the advisor whose firm manages over $13 billion in assets for people just like you. Coming up on The Rick Edelman Show. Welcome back to the program. Rick Edelman here. Thanks for hanging around this half hour. We've got uh, an awful lot to talk about with you, and let's jump right out to the telephones. We've got Ziv. He's from San Mateo in California. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having, my, uh, for having me, and uh, I enjoy the show very much. Thank you. Uh, I have a couple of questions. Okay. Um, the first one is uh, you always say that the biggest virtue that uh, uh, retirement investors have is time on their hands. And the question is, uh, why not start investing uh, when, the, uh, when we're young, when we were children, really? So my question is, is there, uh, are there any accounts that I can set up for my kids who are uh, relatively young now so that they can start investing for retirement in early, uh, early age? Yes, funny, and, you should, uh, funny you should mention it, Ziv. Um, I've uh, invented something called the... Retirement Income for Everyone Trust, the Ricky Trust for short. I invented this back in the 1990s, and it is a retirement planning tool for children, uh, for children as young as a newborn. More than 4,000, 5,000, I think, Ricky Trusts now exist for children all over the country. And let me describe for you how it works. You can get full information on this at my website at rickedelman.com, ricedelman.com. But basically, it works like this. And oh, by the way, this wasn't my idea. I got a phone call to the radio show here many, many years ago. I'll never forget it. John in Manassas, Virginia, called me. And he had a brand new son. His wife just had a baby. And he, too, wanted to save for his child's retirement, just like you're describing. And I realized there was no way to do it because of taxes, first of all. Children can't invest. And children, if they do invest with their parents' help, there are annual taxes involved. That doesn't work. And then at age 18, you have to turn the money over to the child. And guess what happens? The only question is, what color is the Corvette? I mean, you know, there's no way that money is going to stay invested until age 65. The kid is going to spend the money, if not frivolously, then on serious stuff, like buying a house or raising his own children. So how do you set money aside for a child knowing for sure that the money will be untouched all the way to retirement with no taxes. 
That's a key point, because if you have to pay taxes every year on the profits, you really get in, in, in the way. So I invented the Ricky Trust. It took me about three years to invent it. It ended up uh, getting two U.S. patents, process patents. There's nothing like it in the marketplace, and here's how it works. You um, open an account. You can do this for your own child or for any child. It doesn't have to be even related to you. A child as young as a newborn. You have an account minimum of $5,000. You can add more if you wish. You can add to the account over time if you wish. You don't have to. And there's a one-time setup fee of 400 bucks. That's it. The money gets placed into the trust where it then grows tax-deferred until the child reaches retirement age and you decide what that age is, 62, 65, 75, you, know, you pick, whatever you want. And between now and then, the money grows tax-deferred and the money cannot be used unless the child incurs disability or death. Uh, other than that, the money will sit there and grow and you know for sure the money will be there. If you were to invest $5,000 and leave it invested for 65 years, assuming an 8% return, this account will grow to hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's potentially at a 10% return. It could grow to over $2 million. Who knows what the return will be? At 4%, it would be less. At 10%, it would be more. Who knows? The point is you're able to invest the money into the stock market on a tax-deferred basis uh, and have the money there for the child in their future. It's pretty nifty. I see. That's fantastic. I didn't know that that existed. We don't talk exactly about what, it. Uh, what I was looking for. Yeah, we don't talk about it all that much. I don't know why, but you can get full information and details at my website at rickedelman.com. Keep in mind this isn't usable for college planning for the child. Uh, keep in mind that uh, it's an irrevocable decision. Once you put the money in, it can't come out. Uh, so you want to consider whether you want to do this or not, but you get full information for it on the website. There's really no other alternative. Any other choice you may make is going to incur taxes for the child. It's going to create liquidity for the child, which means they're likely to spend it. It is also not the greatest educational tool for the child. Uh, in other words, if you wanted to help use something to help the kid learn about investing, I would then recommend something different. For example, I would recommend uh, a stock mutual fund or an individual stock, you know, a Mattel for a little boy or a little girl or a uh, stock in Apple or, you know, something, some stock they can relate to. Um, also, if you have a special needs child, I would not recommend this. Uh, it's not ideally suited for uh, children with disabilities uh, because it can interfere with their qualification for um, support from community service systems. So depending on the situation, you know, there may be other uh, choices. But if you're simply saying, I want to save for my kid's retirement and I want to be certain that the money will be there, I would encourage you to take a look at the retirement income for everyone trust at my website, rickedelman.com. Fantastic. Thank you very much for that. May I ask one more question? Sure. Um, so that's a very basic one, I guess, but uh, uh, it's always recommended to contrib contribute into an IRA, uh, an IRA that might, I might have after I've maxed out my 401k contribution, let's say, for a given year. Um, now, IRA contributions uh, uh, during retirement are taxable, and so where's the Well, you cannot, Ziv, it's really this simple. You cannot contribute to an IRA if you're retired. You have to have an earned income. So our simple short answer would be this. Yeah, contribute to an IRA if you have an earned income and do so for as long as you possibly can, and it's really that simple. Hey, do you live in Oak Brook, Salt Lake City, Rocky Hill, Connecticut, or in the Philly area, Plymouth Meeting? If you're a smart woman, you might want to pay attention to our seminar that's coming this Tuesday and Wednesday, Smart Women Finish Rich, based on David Bach's number one national bestseller, 
What do we mean by smart women finish rich? It's not about focusing on reaching a certain dollar amount for retirement, but about building a retirement plan that will help you live your life in alignment with your values, fulfill your dreams, and meet the goals you've set for yourself and your family. Get all the details at my website at rickedelman.com. Smart women finish rich. Visit us at rickedelman.com to register. I'm Rick Edelman. This is The Rick Edelman Show. Stay with us for more. Triple Eight Plan Rick. Author of the number one bestseller, Rescue Your Money, coming up on The Rick Edelman Show. Welcome back to the program. Rick Edelman here. You're listening to The Truth About Money. If you can't reach us during the program, just call anytime during the week at 888 Plan Rick. That's 888 752 6742, or visit us online at ricedelman.com. Click that red button, I want to talk to an advisor. Or you can click that green button and go directly to Edelman Online, where you can get all of our investment management services directly online without any human intervention. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. You can do it 24-7 whenever uh, you wish. Let's uh, continue with our telephone call, shall we? We're off to Salem, New Hampshire. Robert's with us on the phone. Hey, Robert, how are you? Hello, thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. Um, I, I bought a, a house 30 years ago, and I lived in it for 15 years and rented it out for the last 15 years. I'm thinking of selling it. Uh, is the tax basis of the property the fair market value when I started to rent it 15 years ago <laughs> or my original purchase price 30 Boy. years ago? Boy, I hate this question. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you hated asking it. There, this is among the most complicated issues in all of real estate tax law. Buying a home as a residence and then shifting it into rental. Uh, it, it's ridiculously complicated. I'm going to say up front, I'm going to say this early and often, you need to talk with a tax advisor who can evaluate and examine all of the numbers in great detail. But I'll, I'll tell you this as a broad educational outline of the situation. See, it depends on whether you're selling the house for a profit or a loss because the rules are different on how you calculate 
the basis of the property. If you're selling the house for a gain, are you? Are you going to sell it for a profit? Yes. Okay. Yes, it'll be a gain. If you're going to sell it for a gain, then the basis is the adjusted basis of the property, meaning that you take the purchase price. How much did you pay to buy the house? Minus uh, 159000 159, Yes. Minus depreciation, because you've been depreciating the house over the past 15 years. Do you know offhand how much you've taken in depreciation? I've taken 39000 for things like roofs and windows, but I've depreciated the building for about 120000 Okay, so depreciation is one hundred and twenty. So your basis was one fifty nine, but we have to subtract one twenty. That takes us down to thirty nine thousand. Now we have to add the money you've spent in improvements. How much? You know, the windows and the roof and whatever. How much have you spent in improvements? Uh, Forty thousand. Forty thousand. Now your basis is up to seventy nine thousand. Now we have to make other adjustments for uh, what you paid to acquire the house. Uh, real estate commissions you'll incur for selling the house and other expenses. So we have to make adjustments for that, and that grand total equals your basis for tax purposes. And I just want to emphasize that's totally different. The math I just went through with you is totally different if you were going to be selling for a loss. So I, I just want to I say that not for your case, Robert, but because there are other people listening who may be in that situation. So to go through it in great detail and to make sure we get the numbers accurate, you really sit down with a tax advisor who can go through all the numbers with you. You need to be able to demonstrate this. When you said, for example, that you've spent 40000 in improvements, you better have receipts. And we need to verify that those are indeed improvements and not maintenance. For example, you said repairing, you said a new roof. Well, if it's repairing a roof, that doesn't count. If it's replacing a roof that enhances and preserves the value that it does. So we need to make sure that they're genuinely improvements and that your accountant would agree. Okay. Uh, okay. So, so that um, what you're saying, it is going to be my original purchase price. It's not like when I put it into service 15 years ago, correct. it was worth 459,000, which would bring my basis way up. That's correct. It would have you would have used the basis as of the time you turned it into a rental if you were selling it for a loss. Oh, no kidding. Okay. And that's why I said the rules are different depending on how you're handling it. So it's ridiculous, it's okay. complicated, it's nuts. And so please, please, please don't rely on what I just told you, even though I'm right. Go talk to a tax <laughs> advisor. Uh, one other question. Yeah. Um, could I, uh, if I have a gain, can I offset that by losses in stocks, since they're both capital gains? Yes. Uh, well, you see, okay. I'm going to say yes, but I'm going to say go talk to a tax advisor. And the reason I say that <laughs> is because uh, your gains and losses are going to appear in your Schedule D. I just want to make sure that the real estate is going to also appear on Schedule D as opposed to Schedule E. And I'm not even sure yeah. why I'm envisioning that E might be involved instead of D, but that's why I want you to go to a tax advisor because I don't claim to be a tax advisor, even though I know a lot about this stuff. Okay. Okay. All well, right. thank you very much. You're very welcome, I think. Um, and I just, you know, here we are doing a reasonable thing, and, and you just get admired in the muck and taxes, and it's just, ugh, ugh, vey. We're heading off to Glendale, California. Kurt, welcome to the show. How you doing? I'm well, thank you. My question is regarding life insurance. Uh, if you have a life insurance policy and you reach the age of 100 or more, do life insurance companies uh, not pay out benefits 
just because you've reached the age of 100, do they do that sometimes? No, they do it all the time. Okay. Life insurance contracts expire at age 100. This is by law, in fact. If they didn't, they would be considered MECs, modified endowment contracts, which would subject you to a significant tax implication. So, yes, life insurance contracts generally expire at age 100, uh, which means the insurance company is laughing all the way to the bank because you realize what happened here. You bought a life insurance mm -hmm. policy because you were making a bet. You were betting that you were going to die. And the insurance right. company was betting that you were going to live. And at the end of the year, when you lost the bet because you didn't die, you made another bet. And you made a bet every year betting that you're going to die. And the whole concept of life insurance is that one day you win the bet. Right. But if you're still alive at age 100, well, you never won the bet. And so the insurance company did, and they're very happy, and you're annoyed, uh, except for the fact, oh, yeah, you're still alive. Uh, and so, yeah, and so that's what it comes down to. Now, when that happens and they cancel the contract at age 100, yeah. if it was a term policy, which I doubt it would be because nobody's going to buy a term policy all the way to age 100. It would be prohibitively expensive. Uh, the policy would just lapse worthless, just like your auto insurance. What happens if you don't get in a car crash this year? Well, the auto insurance is worthless. You buy auto insurance again next year because, again, you're making a bet that you're going to wreck your car. So uh, it's worthless at the end of the year if you don't use it. But if you have a whole life policy, which is far more likely, almost guaranteed, that's what you own with a policy all the way out to age 100, it's a whole life policy, it's a variable life policy, it's a universal life policy, it's a variable universal life policy. It's some kind of permanent insurance. And there very well may be cash value associated with the policy, meaning that some of the money you're paying for the policy is being put aside in a savings vehicle. They call it an accumulation account. And it's growing in value. And at age 100, when they cancel the policy, they send you that cash value back to you. And it's possible, perhaps even likely, because we're talking all the way out to age 100, that the money they send back to you could be more than all of the premiums you've paid for all those many decades. In other words, it's, I wouldn't call it an investment, and don't let them call it that either, but it does provide you return of principal, maybe even a small profit. Not as good as if you would put the money into a stock mutual fund for 30 years, I'm betting, but uh, it's better than nothing. So, yeah, you probably will get your right. money back, or at least a big portion of it. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much. That cleared it up for me. I'm glad I was able to help. Thanks so much for calling, Kurt. I appreciate it. I'm Rick Edelman. This is The Rick Edelman Show. We are um, astonished at a set of statistics regarding 401Ks. According to Charles Schwab, Nearly 25% of employees who have a 401k, one out of four, have borrowed from it. 24% said that they borrowed the money because they needed it to pay everyday bills. 19% used it for home improvements. 13% for medical expenses. 9% said the reason they borrowed the money was because they wanted to buy something special. You must be joking! 4% said they used the money to take a vacation. God, are you kidding me? This is a retirement account, not an I want to get out of debt account, I want to buy a house account, I want to go on vacation account, I want to splurge on something pretty for my wrist account. 
One out of four Americans are going to be finding their financial futures in jeopardy because of their immature, irresponsible, unthinking behavior. Don't let that be you. I'm Rick Edelman. This is The Truth About Money. More of your telephone calls when we come back on the program. I want you to stay with us. Visit us online at rickedelman.com. If you've got questions or concerns or issues with your personal finances, let us help you out with them. 888-PLAN-RECK. Call us anytime. My colleagues and I are happy to return your call, get you the answers you need to your personal finances. 888-PLAN-RECK. That's 888-752-6742. Stay tuned for more. author of the number one bestseller, Rescue Your Money, coming up on The Rick Edelman Show. Welcome back to The Rick Edelman Show. I promised to talk with you about the latest cyber attack. J.P. Morgan Chase originally thought that about one million of their accounts were hacked. It now appears that 83 million business and household accounts have been compromised. This is the latest in a string of attacks that have occurred. Neiman Marcus had a million. Michaels, the retailer, 3 million. Target, 40 million. TJ Maxx, 46 million. Home Depot, 56 million. Adobe, 100 million passwords compromised. We know that these things happen, they occur, they're probably going to continue to occur. That's not the point that I want to make with you right here. The point I want to make with you is this. According to a survey done by High Trust, a security consulting firm, 51% of Americans surveyed, 51%, half, said that if there was a breach by a company they do business with, they would take their business elsewhere. Now, I want to ask you a question. Are you among that group of Americans who says you would be so incensed at the company's failure to protect your data that you would no longer be their customer and you would take your business elsewhere, that if you were a shopper at Neiman Marcus, you're going to now go to Nordstrom's. If you were shopping at Target, you're now going to go to Walmart. That if you were at J.P. Morgan Chase, you're now going to go to B of A, Bank of America. Really? Is that really what you're saying? Because that worries me. It scares me to death. On two counts... Number one, you're not willing to give anybody any slack at all for an error that occurs. And more importantly, far more importantly, number two, what makes you think that the firm you're going to go to is itself not going to then become the victim of a cyber attack? I'm afraid you're going to end up in a scenario where you're not going to be able to do business with anyone anywhere. Here on this program uh, about a year or so ago, we had a cybersecurity expert on the show, and he said there are two kinds of companies. Those that have been hacked, 
and those that don't know that they've been hacked. It's just a fact of life. And I'm not suggesting in the least that we should accept or tolerate sloppiness on behalf of corporate executives who frankly should know better, frankly should be doing everything possible. Lord knows we spend massive amounts of time and energy and money in our firm, and we're a tiny little firm, helping to protect our clients' accounts using as much of the latest technology as possible. But one thing I'll tell you that has security experts frustrated, I had one said it to me point blank. Every time we build a 10-foot wall, somebody shows up with a 12-foot ladder. It's, it's just the kind of thing it is. And I just want to make sure that as you express your frustration, you aren't acting rashly because the disruption associated with moving your accounts, if you're going to decide, for example, I'm not here defending J.P. Morgan at all, but if you were to just shut down your accounts at J.P. Morgan and move over to a competing firm, Wells Fargo, UBS, Bank of America, whoever, the amount of effort and hassle, potentially expenses, tax consequences associated with doing so, only to be as exposed as you were before, when in fact you might even take the attitude, now that these guys have been hacked, they have figured out their vulnerability and have given them a chance to fix it. You sometimes don't know of your flaws until they get exposed. So I'm, I'm not defending and apologizing at all. That's not my point. It's just the rashness of the statement if there's a breach, I'm closing my account and I'm not going to do business with them. It just strikes me as uh, perhaps throwing out the baby with the bathwater, as they say. And it is contributing, in fact, to the lack of confidence and the fear that many investors have. A recent Gallup survey said that a third of investors say they, quote, consciously avoid stocks in their long-term investment accounts. A third are consciously avoiding stocks. They're so fearful of losing money, whether to a hacker or to market losses, that they are, for their long-term investments, not using the stock market. How on earth are you going to achieve your long-term retirement goals if you don't invest in the equities marketplace? If you place all of your life savings in what you perceive to be safe accounts, like banks and CDs and T-bills and the like, those are guaranteed to fail you financially. Inflation is going to erode their value. Taxes are going to erode their value. You are not going to be able to achieve your goals in that methodology. And yet a lot of people are doing this because they're afraid of losing money like they did in 2008. They're afraid of losing money because they keep hearing of periodic losses in the market. And here we are in October. We just had October 1st. And the stock market fell on October 1st. And that scares people. They point out to the fact that of the 10 worst daily losses in stock market history, five of them occurred in October's. And this is why people say, I don't want to invest. It's certainly not in October. But you know what you don't know? Yeah, there have been five of 10 of the biggest daily losses have occurred in October's. But you know what else? The 12 times since 1928 that the stock market has fallen 1% or more on the first day of October, on average, it's up 1% the next day, it's up 3% in the next week, and up 4% over the course of the next month. 
In fact, if you're saying to yourself, October is that terrible month, it's the worst month of the stock market. In fact, October's since 1928, October's have posted positive returns 58% of the time. More than half the time, October is a good month for the stock market. And in fact, of the 12 months of the year, it ranks sixth. It's right there in the middle. So why is everybody so nervous and scared and unhappy about October's? And why is it causing you to be fearful about long-term investing? I warned you a couple of weeks ago not to become complacent. I warned you a couple of weeks ago that we have gone so long, 700 days, that's trading days, mind you, not merely calendar days, 700 trading days since we've had a 10% correction in the market that you've probably forgotten what a correction is like. And I warned you just a couple of weeks ago not to become complacent. Well, here we are experiencing market volatility. Don't let it freak you out. Don't let it dissuade you from staying focused on your long-term investment strategy. Don't worry about the next couple of days or weeks or even the rest of this year. Focus on the next five years and 10 years and 20 years. Focus on your long-term goals and objectives. Because just as this month will soon be over, so was last month and last quarter and last year. Focus on the long term. I'm Rick Edelman. This is The Rick Edelman Show. Triple H, Plan Rick. Visit us online at rickedelman.com. That's ricestelman.com. the truth about money every weekend on the rick edelman show it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.